Welcome to Startup Phil, the show where we discuss what it's like to build a tech startup and a startup ecosystem in a small city. I'm Mike Wolsfell, our host is Dan Gold, and joining him today is Cerise Salanders of Aura. Aura is a personal wearable safety device that protects everyday heroes. Um, there are people that go to work concerned about being assaulted, attacked, or even shot. And that people might think that's police or even um, other emergency services. But what we're talking about are teachers, nurses, and even clergy that are at risk of the growing epidemic of workplace violence. And David Squires, Cerise's Silicon Valley mentor. I've got a lot of experience in the uh, semiconductor industry in Silicon Valley and got paired up with uh, Cerise probably three or four years ago and have been uh, working with Cerise to, I'd say, mentor her, bringing a lot of my experience to bear uh, on a a young startup. In this episode, we discuss the journey of a non-tech founder of a tech company and how sometimes that might be your best asset. Welcome to Startupville. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place and Martin Charlton Communications. So often we look at startups and we see people coming from a technical background that then bring in a business partner, but we haven't spoken as yet on Startupville about someone coming from a from a problem-solving point of view in a non-technical way. Um, uh, I like this relationship between you, Cerise, and, and David. Firstly, how did you two connect? And before you connected, what roadblocks did you find, Cerise? You know, I, it's interesting because I was in the financial services industry and I created this business because I saw a need with my parents and situations that they were having. And I saw the medical alert devices and I thought, well, there's got to be a better way. And naively thought, how hard could it be to build a wearable safety alert device? It's got to be easy. So I went into it it completely ignorant and not knowing how hard it was going to be. And I have to say, I'm really glad that I didn't know how hard it was going to be because I don't think I even would have tried it. So I went into it and I floundered around for a little bit. But one of the things that I did a lot was ask for help, ask questions, meet people, reach out, talk to tons of people. And it was through one of these random connections of somebody that I didn't know who said, you really need to meet David. And so we met fairly early on in the process, but at the time, just the approach that I was taking, um, I don't know if there wasn't a fit or a need, I'm not really sure, but we met, uh, we ended up going our separate ways, doing our own thing. And it wasn't until a couple of years later when we were making some very technical decisions to actually build the hardware components um, that I reach back out to David and say, okay, this really is um, much more difficult than I thought. And I really need some help. And he was very generous and saying, you know, I I like what you're doing and, and I'm willing to help you out. So once you connected, how did it progress from there did you you already knew what you wanted to achieve but you didn't know about how to technically do it or was it a step beyond that that you knew technically what you wanted to do but not the people who should be doing it for you maybe David I can ask you to kind of contribute to that as well I think one of the key things I recall is uh, at, at one point Cerise was looking at building both ends of this link so you have the 
you know, the, the safety device that a person presses and, and then it has to communicate with something. And one of the insights that I had built up over um, my career is you look at these platforms, right? The PC is a platform that kind of dominated industry for a period of probably 15 to 20 years. The cell phone is the current platform that's being used for all sorts of different things. And so uh, it, it, what was going through my mind is how can we leverage the cell phone to help solve this problem and increase the mobility? So if you look at historically, um, these safety devices have been, there have been two elements. One is the piece that sits around somebody's neck and they press the button. The other piece has been connected to a landline and there has to be this connection. Well, how much better would it be if you could leverage the whole cell phone infrastructure? You pick up all the mobility. Cell phones have accelerometers in them. It just, you gain all this stuff. And so that was one of the kind of the early things that I, w I was helping to Cerise to work through was, I guess, more the architecture of the uh, final solution. And relationship-wise, just going back to that bit where maybe there wasn't an alignment or the planets didn't align initially what what then within your head because so many so many times i see people connect and go okay this isn't right and then they go in a completely different direction and never connect again but then there's other people who go okay that wasn't right then but it's right now cerise what was what was the difference maker that you went ah actually now it is right what was was there an aha moment what was that was anything like that so much as in the early days when we very first met you know we got along really well it was over some wine it was great we were able to meet and always good always a fan of that exactly um and dave is an awesome guy so right off the bat so it wasn't a personality thing so much as at the at the time and where we were at the stage of the company um there in terms of his skill set and what i thought i needed at the time i I just didn't take advantage of it then. As I kind of got deeper into it and just had a better understanding of what was required and had selected some of the contractors that we were going to work with, I really realized I couldn't do this on my own. And I remember David who was there and just said, hey, contact me if you think you need anything. And he was just so open and great about it. Um, and whenever somebody says, hey, you know, I, I'm willing to help, I take them up on their offer. So that's what I did is I just reached back out to him and say, hey, you remember when you said that you'd help me? <laughs> I'm back. And so he was super generous about it. So on that question of, of people with, with less technical ability, David, do you see that there are roadblocks or, or moments in different people's journeys where they've gone full gung-ho and gone, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to an online marketplace for a cheap developer because I've seen that I can get one internationally and I'm just going to throw the project at them. They'll deliver me back a product. We might do some beta testing and then it's going to be a success. Have you observed that or is it a case of people are more sensible than that? I, I think there's, all, there's a spectrum, right, like anything. Uh, but there are lots of people who uh, grossly underestimate how difficult it is to to uh, bring a product to market. Uh, it almost doesn't matter, you know, what the product is. If it's software, there's bugs. If it's, you know, in the case of uh, 
our uh, little product. There's this little uh, pod and, you know, just getting the pod um, to have the right shape and fit the two sides fit together, how it glues together, what kind of glue do you use? Uh, how strong is it? There's just tons and tons of things that the average person would never consider. And, you know, uh, I guess my role is to, to kind of call bullshit when I hear something that doesn't sound right. And, um, and, and, that, and if you can do that judiciously, it keeps your partners honest. And, and I think, you know, that's my big, probably my biggest contrib uh, contribution to uh, this effort is, is keeping the partners honest. So there's a, there's a question of maybe with some startups, you know, the line of accountability and um, not going off track and, and, and sticking to targets and using what I've always called, I started in IT, so what I've always called um, suitable technology rather than going off on a complete run of going, we've got to have this, that, and the other, and we've got to throw money at this, and suddenly there's no money left. Um, do you, I mean, just generally are there, if there's someone who's wanting to go into this who doesn't necessarily have a technical background, you know, just one or two tips that you've got for them, you know, to avoid, uh, well, financial ruin or, um, you know, ending up with, uh, with uh, you know, a loss of heart? I would say find someone that they can trust who has good good instincts and uh, quite a bit of practical experience. Cause it, you know, it's, I remember early in my career, I partnered with another uh, young engineer and we took on a, uh, uh, a little inverter project, basically uh, um, I guess it was taking 12 volts and then uh, stepping it up to, you know, line voltage so that you could run a computer from it. We neither of us had done that before and got horribly burned and basically had to back out of the project because it, there were so many gotchas and so many uh, things to do with that technology. So it's, it's finding somebody who's been burned before and then you can profit by that experience. So there really is a, a, a case for learning by your mistakes, but making sure that you learn. And then if you're, if you're a good person, you share that knowledge with others. And that's what you found with the person that you were uh, connected with in that project. Um, this is where Aura and Cerise and the project really interests me. It's a, a fabulous uh, idea. It's definitely needed. There is definitely a marketplace there. Beyond the technology side, how did you go about um, the, the business and the research piece of this? Yeah, it's, it's a huge project. Um, and it's, it's been over four years now. So this isn't something that is, you know, you can do overnight. It requires a significant amount of business acumen, which is the side that I came from. Um, and that, that's a contribution certainly that I make to the company. And it's everything from the initial research that was done uh, the customers that we talked to at the very early days, uh, right through to the envisioning the final end of the product, to raising capital, to all of those components of it, and all the way through. So it's a it's a long journey, and it requires a significant amount of stamina. Um, 
But if I could say anything that the value and the contribution that David brings is more than just the technical side. Because he's got all that experience and because he's been there and done that, he's also been a sounding board and he's been, you know, a friend and he's he's been the voice of reason and the one that's been encouraging. And the other big thing about it, because he also has a lot of business experience, is he's always there getting me to think bigger, think broader. And those are the those are the kinds of encouragements that you need, not just the technical side, not just the business side, but the vision side of it as well. Very often when we talk about um, support or mentoring, mentor and protege, we we look at it within a market. What you're describing to me is almost a, a remote mentor and protege relationship as much as a friendship and, and, and support. He's He's got that element from experience of being able to hold hold you to account, let's say, um, to make you uh, or to encourage you to look at the bigger picture, the the larger opportunities. How do you deal with um, that kind of relationship at a distance? I haven't struggled with it at all. And maybe it's because we met, we met in person to start with. And then we met in person again, when we very first kicked off the the large technical project that we had with all of the consultants there. Um, and I, for me, I've just, I've never struggled with it. It's never seemed awkward to me. I, I can't speak for David, but I know that there have been times where I've had gone through some really tough times um, where I've, you know, would been beaten down by somebody or something has happened. And I reach out to David and when we talk, it's like, he's right there. I, I've actually never, noticed an issue with that, but I'll let him speak to that. Yeah, I, I, I also uh, have not had any problems with it. And, you know, one reason maybe over my career, I've managed people, you know, in the UK and France and different places um, and different places in the US as well. So I've had remote teams and had to work with them and I, I, I don't know. It's always uh, once you build that personal bond and uh, a sense of trust and relationship, um, it's kind of like Cerise says, it just feels like, well, we're, we're together and the phone is just fine for working things out. That's a really fascinating piece. And, and I value hearing that as well, because so often when people look at starting a business, regardless of what it is, and they look at their support network, very often they only consider within a, you know, a four-mile range of where they're working or where they're living. But this extended network, or even people who you trust from previous working relationships, etc., is is incredibly important. For example, um, I have a mentor in one side of what I do who is based in Ontario, and I have another support person who is in Australia, and another one in Germany, and another one in uh, in London. And they all support different aspects of what I do, how I do it. And the most important thing for me is with each of those pieces is that, you know, they they gently push me, encourage me, and they, they get me to answer the question, why am I doing something or why am I thinking in a certain way? Um, sorry, you've gone from the, you know, let's say the, the corporate financial world or the financial world to doing this. Do you think your, your role as, as VP of, let me get this right, member experience at Affinity Credit Union, 
added to how you or the experience from that gave you that um, confidence in in leveraging relationships and and most importantly listening absolutely in my previous roles that I've had it's always been about the end customer or the end user of the product and looking at it from that perspective and so when I'm building a brand new product or have a brand new idea I can just roll out and say you know I think I've got all the answers and away I go but right from the get-go, I knew that in order to be able to create it, knew what was valuable and know what the priorities were, it was to talk to the potential end customers from the very beginning. And so it's those experiences that I had in Affinity Credit Union and the things that I learned and how to prioritize and all of those components that started me on the right path uh, with this business. And there's things that I use on an everyday basis that I know that I learned that from my previous life. One comment that I thought was germane to your, you know, comment about the long distance and so forth. One of the things that I would comment is that most of the advice and, you know, mentoring that I do are for bigger picture things. And I think it is valuable to have somebody local for a lot of the, you know, there's 10 decisions that have to get made today and another 10 that have to get made tomorrow. And, uh, you know, Cerise had a, a VP of software engineering and, and I think that was, who was very local and I think that was valuable. So it, I think there are pieces that are uh, fine to be done uh, remotely and then there are other things that are, you know, better if you have a team that's co-located and there's sort of this continual bouncing of ideas back and forth. Anyway. No, I, I think that's a really, really valid point. And you see often the, um, the connection between when someone's working on a project, the, the management and the progression of a project are on a, a more detailed level, and then the visioning and the, the wider leadership piece, which sees the overall arc of a, of a project. And I see that as being a critically important piece. Something I'd like to ask you, Cerise, that I think is, is really relevant, and it's not only that it's been trending for the last couple of years, but women in tech, and, and what, can, what is it we can do? I mean, I, I'd like to go beyond women in tech. I'd like to look at wider diversity within, um, you know, we could go on to workplaces, et cetera, but what can we do to encourage people to move past any preconceptions of the, of the tech industry and um, what we can say to mentor and support them? One of the things that I've noticed um, in women in tech, and I've been fortunate enough to be part of a, a number of opportunities across the United States and across Canada with women in tech. And there's one thing that I've noticed, and that is the majority of us, not all of us, but the majority of us are non-technical. And the majority of us, or I should say everyone I've ever met, has started their company because of a need, a personal need that they've had. So it's not as though that they come up with some really cool tech idea and are looking for product market fit. They already have a need. There already is a product market fit and now they're bringing it to life. So they're a lot like me because they know that they've got an idea. They know that there's value to it, but when you don't have the technical skills to make it happen, how do you do that? 
And for a long, long time, I wasn't recognized for the fact that I had over 20 years business experience and led you know, significant strategy for a major um, credit union because I felt that I knew, I knew this problem more than a lot of people. I had a vision for the solution. It was a matter of bringing the team together. And I think what we could do for a lot of other female entrepreneurs is first of all recognize that they're still a tax CEO even they don't have that technical background. And that they bring a lot of value and that maybe if we could help to support them with some of those technical components, they're gonna be a lot more successful right out of the gates. It's just one piece that they're missing. And I wanna to say too that I think there's a lot of technical people that don't have a lot of business background. So there's pros and cons to everything and I think um, that if we could just maybe support more founders, primarily female founders in that respect. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And as we're seeing increasing numbers of, of women in, in uh, the core STEM areas as well, it's, it's building to a, a better, bigger picture for societies as well. Something that you've said about, you know, already identifying uh, the need and the solution within the audiences, knowing, uh, you know, what it is you want to solve, but not necessarily being able to get that. I've seen that time and time again, whether it's been at Silicon Roundabout in London or in other cities around the world, you could even go to places like Israel, you're seeing the same pattern over and over again. And, and we're certainly working together as a part of a solution to, you know, make the place a better place because if we can solve problems we're going to be happier as a society and we're going to move forward as a society as well something david i'm i'm intrigued with let's say is how a smaller center seeing working with people in smaller centers compared to your experience in the in the you know the silicon valley or the seattle ecosystem what do you see as the differences uh well I mean, in Silicon Valley, you have every possible skill set you can imagine. So uh, you, you can find people, uh, you know, locally to do just about anything. Um, I think in the smaller, well, so one of the good things and the bad things is that uh, people move frequently from uh, job to job, company to company. And that's, that's one of the ways that uh, has made Silicon Valley be so successful is that, you know, good ideas propagate quickly uh, because people will leave a company and move to another company. Uh, the flip side is, I think, uh, in small centers, you get much more dedication from uh, the teams. You know, the, the, they can't move as, as freely. And so they kind of buy more into the company, into the you know, the uh, company that they're working for and work harder to make it be successful. So there's uh, more stability in the, in the workforce and, and that has benefits obviously to, to companies. Before I let you both go, something I'd like to uh, ask you is um, if you're able to uh, let people know how they can get in touch with you, because one of the things that we think is really important here on Startupville is the ability for people to ask a follow-up question or ask a question or, or just connect and follow to see how things are progressing. So, Cerise, if we could start with you, um, how could people get in touch or follow the product that you're doing? Well, of course, I'd love for them to follow, go to our website, which is 
oraforyou.com, O-R-A-F-O-R-Y-O-U.com. Um, and for me personally, the easiest way is to find me on LinkedIn. There's not a lot of people with my name, so I'm actually easy to find. So S-E-R-E-S-E, Cerise Salanders. Um, just reach out to me on LinkedIn, happy to chat, happy to talk, collaborate, commiserate, cry, laugh, whatever it takes. And David, if people wanted to get in touch with you, how could they do that? Uh, I think probably also on LinkedIn would be the, the best way. Um, I've, I've worked at, I guess the biggest chunk of uh, my working career was at Xilinx, X-I-L-I-N-X. So if you did a search for David Squires at Xilinx uh, on LinkedIn, you'd probably end up with me. Very big thank you to you both for joining us. It's a pleasure and an honor to have you with us today and we look with interest to the next chapter and the next stages of what you're both look, working on startupville is brought to you by innovation place growing the tech sector in saskatchewan canada and produced in partnership with martin charlton communications at wetellyourstories.ca the show is produced by me mike wolsfeld and our host dan gold our theme music is from gg Riggs and reactor productions Learn more about us and our guests at innovationplace.com slash startupville and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Startupville Pod. See you next time on Startupville.